Thanks, worship team. Why don't we just show our appreciation to the worship team. We are very blessed. Uh, if you're new to church, my name is Ben, and one of the pastors here, and really happy to have you uh, today. You came on a, a great Sunday. Um, we just really, our prayer is that you feel right at home. And I was talking to somebody this week, and they were fairly new to the church. They've been coming for a few months. And they said they are coming to church for the first time, and they said that they right away, they said, here's what we love about First Assembly is we felt like we could be ourselves. At the same time, there was a passionate family going after God, and, and so uh, they connected. So we just hope that that's uh, how you feel today. Uh, that's our prayer for you, that you feel right at home. Um, it is good to be in church today, though, on this particular day. Because 23 years ago today, um, Heather and I were in church, standing at an altar. Uh, Today's our 23rd wedding anniversary. (laughs) Love you, honey. Uh, Happy anniversary. Uh, I love you from the bottom of my heart. I'm not going to sing you a song or read you a poem. I'll do that later. All right. But right now, we are, uh, you're all... We're all celebrating together, and honestly, what better group of people to be celebrating? We had a church full of friends and family 23 years ago, and don't you just love the family of God, the kingdom of God? So welcome to our wedding anniversary party, the beginning of it right now. And uh, anyway, so as you know, uh, as you're getting to know our family, we, um, we're very blonde, uh, all of us. I don't know if you've noticed that. When we go to Ikea, people stop us and they say, like, are you guys, like, actually from Sweden or do you just shop here? Uh, so I figure I could get away with telling a blonde joke. What do you think? I'm, I'm poking fun at myself. All right, so here we go. So a blonde got a fishing rod for her birthday, and so she decided to go ice fishing to make good use of her gift. And so early the next morning, she got all her gear together and headed out to the ice. And so when she reached her final destination, she cut a large hole in the ice and dipped her rod in. And then suddenly, she heard a voice from the sky that said, there are no fish under the ice. And so she moved to another spot and she cuts another hole. But again, a voice boomed from the heavens. There are no fish under the ice. So she stopped and she looked skyward. And she said, Lord... Is that you? And the voice replied, No, this is the manager of the hockey rink. (laughs) That's a good one, isn't it? (laughs) Acts chapter 9, if you have your Bible today. Uh, Last week I preached a message entitled, When God Changes People. Today I want to preach a message. If you're writing notes, you can title it this. Uh, When God Speaks to People. When God Speaks to People. Um, We've been in a series over the last couple weeks. We're in it for July and August. We were in Acts last summer, and we felt to come back this summer. Uh, We're hungry for more of the Holy Spirit. We're hungry to encounter. We believe that the Holy Spirit is actively at work in people's lives. And we want to lean in. We want to contend for more of the Spirit of God activated in all all of our lives. And 
So we've been looking at conversion encounters and, and power encounters. That's what we're going to be focusing on for these next number of weeks. And so when God speaks to people, and I, I want us to look at how just regular and available people can be um, used by God. God can work through us powerfully. That we wouldn't write ourselves off. That we wouldn't say, well, I'm not Billy Graham or I'm not you know, an evangelist or this or that. But disciples, followers of Jesus, as we lean in, as we hear God, as we respond to God as he speaks to us, we recognize his voice and his work in our lives, we can respond and see the kingdom of God expanded. So the background up to this point in Acts is Jesus had called his disciples together after he rose from the grave, and he said, guys, go to Jerusalem and wait, and there you will receive power from on high. The Holy Spirit, the promise, will will come and fill you. And so they met together in Jerusalem, and on that day, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and the church Uh, They were all filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues, and God gave them power to be witnesses. That's that's the purpose uh, for the the baptism, the power of the Spirit. And so the church began to explode. Uh, 3,000 people added that first day, and Peter got up and preached, and the church began to multiply. But although it was the best of times, uh, very soon it became also a combination of the best of times and the worst of times where persecution began to rise. And, and there was a great opposition with the, the uh, Jewish leaders in particular that, that really didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so you have this, this fraction taking place, but the church is multiplying. And isn't it something to think about? 2,000 plus years later, we're here today uh, in, in a meeting that started you think about this. The church, they began to meet on the first day of the week. And, and they, they did that in even church tradition. They, they met uh, to, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And the church has been meeting for over 2,000 years, Sunday after Sunday, week after week. It's kind of neat to be a part of that, isn't it? And the church began to grow, but there was opposition and especially opposition by one named Saul of Tarsus. And we talked about last week when God changes people, how Jesus encountered Saul on the road. He, he saw a vision, light, and you he heard Jesus say to him, Saul, why are you going against me? I think Jesus appreciated Saul's passion, but it was going in the wrong direction. And last week we talked about how we can actually have good intention and be going away from God, kicking against the goads. And I think that Jesus was saying, Saul, I love your passion, but you are going the wrong way. Why are you going against me? And he had a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he changed the course of his life. Uh, He went from greatest church disturber to a force in the kingdom, greatest church persecutor to one of the greatest church planters, uh, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And, and the ripple effect of, of Saul's life, who became the Apostle Paul, uh, today we, we feel that, that ripple uh, of his life, his impact. 
And then we read further in the chapter, Saul then was blinded as he saw the light. And then he was led by the hand to the city of Damascus where he was, he was close. And so then we meet this disciple in the, in the latter part of Acts chapter 8 or Acts chapter 9. And we find Ananias and he's in tune with the Holy Spirit. He's in tune with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. So you can follow on the screens or follow in your Bible. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. And he got up, and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Bono, who is one of the biggest rock stars of our time, uh, from the well-known band U2, a professed follower of Christ, has been interviewed with uh, Eugene Peterson and other theologians, but um, Bono talked about how he looks for God's blessing in his life. This is what he said. It's not about asking God to bless what you're doing. It's about finding out what God is doing because it's already blessed. It's about finding out what is what is God doing and then positioning yourself in that place. A lot of people go through life and say, well, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to submit this to God and ask God to bless it. But then there's another approach to partnership with the Holy Spirit. And I, and I think he's on to something because I think it's about saying, God, what are you blessing? And how do I then position my life to be in that place where I can partner with you in fulfilling what you are about? I, I really believe that if we want to see a greater measure of God's blessing on our lives, it's about positioning our lives in that place, saying, God, what have you blessed? And getting ourselves in that place. This is why when we are people of the word, we become people of the word by reading God's word, studying God's word, obeying God's word, and we find ourselves in that place of blessing, in that place of unity. We talked about that a number of weeks ago. There's a commanded blessing that God pours out upon us as we find out what God's about, what he's doing, and then, and then we align ourselves. I think that this is what Ananias was up to. This, is, this seems to be this fellow Ananias, he was, 
He was in prayer. And, and as he was in prayer, he was, he was aligning himself to what God was already doing. It's almost like uh, chapter 9 is like a, a scene from a movie. So the first scene is Saul of Tarsus. And he's got papers in his hand. He's breathing murderous threats. He's on his way to persecute believers. And he's got authority now, uh, official government papers that give him the authority to not only persecute people in Jerusalem, but now he is bent on persecuting Christians from other cities and other regions. Jesus meets him on that road. He has a life transformation. He's blinded. Now he finds himself on the way to Damascus. And as he's blinded, we read in our text that God begins to give Saul a vision as well of a man that will come and pray for him at some point. As Over those three days that Saul was blind, we don't know exactly what was going on, but we do know that the Holy Spirit was doing work on the inside. And sometimes God will uh, bring us through seasons where we need to look on the inside, where he will keep us from, from even looking out beyond, but there's things that he needs to deal with sometimes on the inside. And this is what's happening with Saul. But now, like a movie, that's scene one, and then it shifts, and the film shifts, and now you see somewhere in Damascus this disciple. That's all we know about him. He's a regular disciple. He's a regular Christ follower. He was devout. He, he loved God. And, and likely he was somewhere in maybe his prayer closet or his room, or he was somewhere, and he was... He was in tune with the Holy Spirit. He was praying. So you see all this action taking place. The chapter shifts. Now here's this man, Ananias, I believe, not asking God maybe just to bless him, but saying, God, what are you up to? And I want to be a part of this. I want to be in on what you are blessing. I want to be in what you are about. And God speaks to many different people many different ways. God could speak to anybody he wants to. And he could use pretty much any way to speak to us that he desires. But in this particular chapter, we see God speaking in the realm of visions. Saul has a vision. He has a vision of the risen Christ. And we know he, we, he sees the light. He hears his voice. But later on in scripture, uh, Saul talks about how he saw Jesus. And and it shows us that it was a, a, a vision that he had of Jesus. And as Jesus said to him, why do you go against me, Saul? Why are you against me? And, and he began to purify him and challenge him and change him. And, and when God changes people like he changed Saul, it's because he loves us and because he has a purpose for us to fulfill. And that's exciting. That's pretty neat, neat stuff. And that's one of the first visions. And then there's another vision that we see in chapter 9. And it's the vision that Ananias has. And now he's in prayer and he sees, he sees what, what he's about to do. And, and he begins to have a conversation with the Lord about what God is asking him to do. And I believe that there's all kinds of ways, again, that the Lord speaks to us. God can speak to us through circumstances, through people. He speaks to us sometimes through nature. Uh, he speaks to us in many different ways, that still small voice that we need to discern and line up with God's word and his character. God speaks to us primarily through the, the scriptures, through the Bible. You know, when you're reading the Bible and it kind of just, that, that Bible just kind of jumps out at you and it means something to you. That's the rhema word of God. God speaks to us all those ways and, and, and we're thankful. We see it all throughout scripture. 
And, and those are the primary ways that God speaks. But I also believe that one of the primary ways that God speaks to the spirit-filled believer is through dreams and visions. Paul's prayer to the Ephesians was that, that the eyes of their heart would be open, that they would be enlightened, that they would also, they, they would understand the things that God has, that they, would, uh, they, that they would operate in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I believe that dreams and visions, I, I, I think that there's something about that as followers of Jesus that we need to understand that God is speaking to people through dreams and vision, and he wants to speak in greater ways to you and to me through dreams, through visions. It's all over the Bible. Joseph, when he was 17 years old, he showed up to his brothers one day, and he said, hey, guys, I, have a, I had a dream. Listen to this dream. I'm ruling over you guys. I got stars bowing down to me, moons. I mean, look at me. Take a look at the jacket on the rainbow kid. Look at me. Dad loves me more than the others, right? And he began to dream, and this all throughout the Scripture, and it's all throughout the book of Acts, And we need to understand that dreams and visions are are a gift that God wants to, he wants to speak to us, he wants to show us what he's doing and how we can partner with him. Now there are extremes in the church. There's uh, groups of of believers that chase dreams and visions and and I would caution us to, to get too wrapped up into running around trying to have our dreams interpreted to the... It, like so it's like a fortune telling thing and so we need to use discernment and wisdom it's not about chasing dreams it's about being partners with the spirit it's about being open to the spirit it's about it's about aligning ourselves our, our heart's position our life's position that we would be conduits of partnering with god while he's at work over here we are over here like ananias partnering while, while God is working out something over here, we are playing our part. That we don't undervalue or underestimate the part that God has called us to as spirit-filled followers of Jesus, spirit-filled believers. And I believe that God wants to unlock dreams and visions in your life. In, in a new dimension. That he, want, he has things that he desires to show you. He has things he has in his heart he wants to, you to operate in and to move in. And for his glory, and we see why. Why is that important for us? Well, it says that when Ananias came to Saul, he said to him, Brother Saul, uh, he said, I've come here because the Lord has called me to do this. And it says immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. In other words, now Saul could see again. You see, God wants to, to work through you and me so that people can see again. So that people who are, are, are lost in darkness and blind spiritually can see again. And it says that these scales fell from their eyes, his eyes. And then he says he got up and he was baptized. Just like this morning, people following Jesus. Now God wants to speak to us and give us visions and dreams so that we can help people follow Jesus and become disciples and get baptized. Isn't that exciting to see this tank full this morning? 16 young people from First Assembly at camp, plus the people in the, in the 930 service, plus the people that were here. God is moving. People are responding. And there's more people in our city. There's, there's more people in your networks, in your relationships, that I believe God wants you to partner with him because he's already at work over here. He just needs you to be obedient over here and tuned in over here so he can speak to you and he can show you what you need to do next to be a part of his kingdom expanding and advancing. Dreams and visions 
are real. I was around 10 years old, and my family, when I was a kid, they, they planted a church in, in the United States, and they probably thought they would be there their whole lives. They likely had in their heart, we're here, we're raising our family. When I was around 10 years old, my mom and dad began to, uh, I believe, just get stirred by the Spirit. And one of the things that happened that began that process was my mom had a dream one night. And she woke up in the morning and she said, I had this most vivid dream. I believe it was from the Lord. And she told my dad, and she said, in the dream I saw a church building. It was kind of gray with long windows. And, and over the top it said Richmond. And so they began to pray into that. They didn't know anything. They were in the United States, so they're thinking maybe it's Richmond, Virginia. And at that time, Richmond, B.C., if you know where that is out in Vancouver area, it was called Lulu Island. So it had just recently been named Richmond. So nobody kind of even knew about it. And through a process, God led them uh, to receive a call from this church in Richmond. They paid attention to it. They went there. When they drove in the back parking lot of that church, my mom looked at this building. She said, that's the exact building that God showed me in the vision. That's it, the long windows. And it turns out that we actually lived in what was called the parsonage or the manse back then. And we actually lived behind the church. In the par- like we, I lived in a parking lot. <laughs> that's where I grew up, in the hood, in the parking lot. Okay, um, but that, that's where we, and, and we, every day we looked at that view. And you know, it was a hard church. I don't even know if they could pay my dad a salary, if anything, just a little bit. And we lived in this little house, and it was a tough, it was in a crisis financially, and, but my parents were there, they brought health back to that church, and no matter how hard it got, they knew that God had called them there. God had showed them ahead of time in a dream. This is why we need to be dialed in with the Holy Spirit in this area. I believe that God is downloading and wanting to download dreams and visions and all kinds of things to people all over this room today, that there are things, and it's not about chasing a dream or a vision. It's about chasing the heart of God. It's not about just, I just give me a new word, just give me another prophetic word or run out to another prophetic conference, and they all have their place. So I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying, it's about running after the heart of God and saying, God, I know that you speak to your people. I know that you are doing something here, and I want to be over here so I can be part of it. And I want to hear your voice, and I want to partner with you. And this is what Ananias was doing. He was, he was a disciple. He, he wasn't the star of chapter 9, but yet I believe he was the star in so many ways of chapter 9. Saul, who turned to Paul. I mean, that's what chapter 9 is about. But sometimes we forget about Ananias. He, he, he played a very significant role as he was obedient to the Spirit, to come and to lay hands on Saul and to, and to speak over him and to restore him and to bless him as God was changing him. And God is in the business of speaking to people. In Acts, Peter, in his first sermon, he got up and he preached. And he said, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I believe that it's more commonplace, and it should be more commonplace in the life of a follower of Jesus than perhaps sometimes it is. But I want to show you this morning how I believe that we can align ourselves to hear God, to receive a greater measure of revelation in our lives. And I think we see it in the person of Ananias. 
The first thing is we see that God speaks to people who are open and available. This was Ananias. He was in a place of prayer. All this is happening and, and, and God's doing all these things. And he was in a place of prayer at that moment. I wonder when the Lord looked down on Damascus that day. If you looked around the, the, the town and thought, I, I need a vessel. I want to I work through somebody here. I want somebody to, to, to partner and share with me this monumental event in the life of Saul of Tarsus turning into Apostle Paul that will literally revolutionize the world. And like I said earlier, we still feel the ripple effect of the life of the Apostle Paul today, don't we? Our doctrine, the, the church plant, every time a church is planted, I, I, I go, well, that, that's because the king of church planters <laughs> who began to establish churches and cities and up to, into Europe and, and this, this mighty man of God who God changed because he loved him and because he had a purpose for him. We feel the ripple effect of his life today. But Ananias was, God was saying, I, I want to partner with somebody to move this thing into place. I wonder who I can find in Damascus. And, and, and maybe he went over to, you know, Brother you know, Philip or, you know, Brother Dave or whatever. And Brother Dave, he's over there. He's watching, he's watching FIFA World Cup and he's watching England lose. And Brazil lose. I'm so sorry, my friends. And maybe he went over and he was looking, oh, well, what, what about Sister, you know, so-and-so? And, oh, she's busy. Just ah, She's on her Facebook again posting bouquets of flowers and bunnies and rabbits and balloons. And maybe he was looking for that young person. Oh man, that young person. Yeah, but they're just too busy because they're just got their, they're just focused on other things and they're distracted. But he looked around. You know, the scripture says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth, seeking whose hearts are completely given over to him. And I wonder sometimes if the Lord's like, where Who's going to partner with me? Ah, Ananias, he's in prayer. There he is. He was open. God speaks to people who are open, who are available. I wonder, what does it look like for you to find yourself open in the presence of God? Isaiah 53 says, Come to me with your ears Wide open. Listen. And you will find life. Ananias was praying, meditating on scripture, whatever he was doing. One of the things I love about our Sunnyside teen camp, our kids were so blessed over the last couple weeks, they came back and said, you know, here's one of the things, Dad, they encourage us not to have our technology, our cell phones, our screens, just to put them away, leave them at home, and focus on the Lord. And God does such incredible things. I'm not against, I, hey, listen, I Instagram with all of you guys and I do all that stuff. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against it. I think there's a place. But is there a place in your life where you're just open in the presence of God, available to the Lord? What does that look like for you this summer to be open? Here's another kind of person I believe we can see in Ananias that God, that God is looking to speak to and work through. And that's a person who is not perfect. 
and sometimes doubts. Anybody a candidate for that this morning? I'm so encouraged by this. Because Ananias, as God spoke to him, he began to doubt him. He's like, God, listen, um, thanks for showing up in my prayer time, Jesus. This is amazing. Thank you, really. This is powerful. But this Saul guy, he's killing, he's killing people like me. You know that, right? Like, have you ever tried to tell God something he probably already knows? It feels awkward, but sometimes it feels good just to get off your chest. You're just like, okay, i got to be honest with you, God. This is going to be impossible outside of you. And he's like, yes, <laughs> I know. And so he struggles, like you and me. He sometimes doubts, but what I love about it is he pushed through his struggle and he pushed through his doubt. It's not, there's no problem in struggling and having doubts and having moments of weakness. But God calls us to push through. But God does speak to people. Who, and sometimes you've said, I'm not a candidate. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not this person. I'm not that person. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm just little Ananias over here by myself in my little prayer time. What good can I do in the kingdom? And God says, you can do a lot. Do not undervalue who you are in God's kingdom. Be open and available and ready for God to speak to you and to reveal to you his purposes and to, and to open up your life to him. Don't write yourself off. I feel like the Lord said that. I wrote it in my notes. Don't write yourself off to be used by God powerfully. Because you say, I'm not perfect. Join, join the not perfect club. But God still speaks to people who have doubts. Jesus showed up to Thomas. He had doubts. Jesus said, look, Thomas, here's the wounds in my hands. Here's the wound in my side. Reach out. Touch it. Jesus restored and loved Thomas even in his doubts. The third thing is this. God speaks to people who are authentic and in pursuit of him. It says that Ananias was a disciple. Are you a disciple today? Are you in pursuit of God's heart? Are you pursuing him? John 10 says that my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand. What a promise. It says, the promise is as you are a pursuer, as you are a disciple. It says, Ananias was a disciple. And as we are disciples, as we pursue him, he says, you're going to hear my voice. You're going to hear, I'm going to show you things. Call upon me, the scriptures say, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know about yet. And God is, sometimes I feel like the Lord's just got these things in his heart, and he's just bursting. He's just like, I just cannot wait to show you. And, and, and I, I want to show you these things. And, and at the right timing, when you find yourself in that position, in that place, God's going to show you. And when we are a disciple that pursues him, we find ourselves in his presence. And that's exactly where Ananias found himself that day, in the presence of God. There's revelation for you. There's dreams for you that God desires you to fulfill in his presence. It's about proximity. It's about being in that place with the Lord. A couple years ago, my family and I, we went to the Jubilee Auditorium at Christmas time for an event. And we bought the cheapest tickets you could find. Nosebleeds. Because there's six of us. So it's a, it's a big deal. And... It, and uh, so we're like, we're just happy to go. This will be great. So we went up to the nosebleeds, and we went up to the top of the escalator at the Jubilee, and there was an usher, a host, and he's smiling at us. 
And he said, hey, congratulations. And I said, thank you, I think. <laughs> and he said, today, he says, every time this season comes by, this is the day that we, we, uh, we give families uh, front row, close to front row tickets, center, center stage, um, who, who buy the nosebleed tickets. And so we, it's our way of saying Merry Christmas to you and your family. So he hands us six tickets, and we were just three or four rows from the front, right in the middle, for, for the performance. But friends, that was about proximity. We were at the right place at the right time with the right person who had the right thing to give us, who had prepared something to give us because we were there. Ananias was there. He was in prayer. He was in proximity. And the Holy Spirit was saying, I want to give. I want to download. I want to show. I, I want to reveal. I want to I find somebody who's, who's there, who's a faithful disciple. And my sheep will hear my voice. The final thing is the worship team can come back. God speaks to people who trust him when it doesn't make sense. Are there some things in your life that don't make sense? To Ananias, this didn't make any sense. You mean you want me to go talk to the Christian killer? (laughs) You want me to actually lay hands and pray for the Christian killer? I mean, this would be like God showing up in a vision saying, do you know that terrorist that was on the terrorist watch list? Well, he's now in your neighborhood, and I want you to go over to him, and I want you to begin to share the good news of Jesus with him. Yeah, the same person that is on the FBI wanted list, that same person that has done all these atrocious things. It didn't make sense to Ananias, but he stepped out in faith and he pushed through the awkward. Sometimes when God speaks to us, we have to push through the awkward. We have to push through the awkward so that we can walk in the anointed. What's awkward? What's holding you back? What what doesn't make sense to you? What is God calling you to? What is God speaking to you about? God speaks to people who will trust him when it doesn't make sense. I want to be a person of faith. Not in my own self, but I want to be a person that operates in faith. I would rather have faith. I would rather trust God when it gets hard. I would rather believe God. I would rather lay hands on the sick. And, and whether or not it's, it, they recover you know, by medicine or by a doctor or maybe something happens, I would rather be the one praying. I want to be the one that's found in faith. I want to be the one leaning into faith. I want to be the one in the, it, it, that God can, can, can speak to. And, and I'm going to not show up scared or hesitant. I want to be like Ananias. I want to be like this guy. who's playing this behind-the-scenes role that is actually a major role in the conversion of Saul. I want to be that person that says, God, I'm in proximity. I'm in that place. I'm listening to you. uh, You're revealing things to me. I'm going to be obedient to you even though I struggle, even though I doubt, even though I have challenges, even though sometimes it seems impossible. I'm going to believe you, God, and I'm going to trust you in it. Because when God speaks to people, he's looking for people like Ananias who will trust him even when it doesn't make sense. Will you trust him this morning? I believe God wants to open up dreams and visions over your life, over your family. I believe God wants to speak some fresh and some new things. I believe this. I believe that there are people here this morning and some of your dreams have gone dormant. Some of you have put your dreams to bed. You're like, well, that didn't happen. 
And I feel like the Lord's saying, it's time to wake up. Wake up that dream. That dream has not died. It's like Jesus, when he came to heal that little girl, they said, he's not, she's, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And some of you, there's a dream. And God says, it's not dead. It may look a little different than the way you first envisioned it, but to trust him in it. Because sometimes we, you know, we know in part, we see in part, we prophesy in part, but ultimately it's, it's God puts these dreams. And sometimes they're kind of, they need to be chiseled away. They need to be refined. And then it's the refining work of the Spirit that chisels it away over time. And, and, and then these dreams, become, be, they, all of a sudden they begin to manifest. You go, ah, oh, it's kind of a little different. But you can trust that it's always better. It's always better because it's, it's God. I, I don't know if Ananias ever foresaw this. I don't know. He, he, he was, the church was growing and I, he probably saw Damascus coming to Jesus and he was there laboring and working and, and serving God. He never knew that God had another thing going on just down the road where he was meeting a guy named Saul and transforming his life and changing him. And, and, and so now it comes together in this beautiful connection point of the work of the Spirit. Don't undervalue yourself. Don't underestimate yourself. Do not ever see yourself as small or God can, I'm insignificant. Ananias proves that God works powerfully, powerfully through available people. I wonder if you would stand with me if you would. There was a a pastor named Jerry Cook, and I I read his book a long time ago, and it was a book called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. He was a pastor down in the Portland area. And I heard him speak one time at something, and and he he said this, and I I never forgot it. He said, here's the key to living a spirit-filled life. It's simple. Let me help you with this. I want want to break this down for, for you today. The key to living a spirit-filled life, somebody who's hearing from God, tuned into the spirit, having dreams, having visions, partnering with the Holy Spirit, finding out what God is blessing and being a part of that. Here's the secret. He said, first of all, he says, just be yourself. How many people can do that this morning? You can just be who you are. You know what? Because God made you and he loves you and and you're the only one he made like you. So don't rob us. Don't rob the world. Don't rob the church community or family by trying to be something that you're not. Just be who you are. Just relax. Okay, I can do that. Second thing he said is be full of the Holy Spirit. Just follow the Holy Spirit. In that place like Ananias, says, I'm just going to be filled with the Spirit. And the third thing he says, just be open for business. Be completely you, full of him, open for business. Be completely you, full of the Spirit, and open and available. This is, this is Ananias. When God speaks to people, he's looking for faithful people, available people, teachable people. No superstars. Just servants. Just disciples. Just people that are find themselves in proximity. In God's presence completely themselves, imperfect, broken, questioning, doubting. Don't write yourself off. God can still speak to you. And he wants to. He wants to give you a fresh vision. I just want to speak over you and prophesy over you this morning. God's beginning to give fresh vision over you today. In Jesus' name, God's giving fresh vision to your marriage, fresh vision to your family, 
fresh vision over your business. There's new ideas coming. There's new, there's new things. Don't limit what God wants to do. Find yourself in proximity with the Spirit. Find yourself in that place. The Lord says, I have things I want to download to you. I want to show you. I want to reveal. Don't chase dreams and visions. Chase me, and I will pour out. I'm the dreamer. Of, I'm the one that gives dreams. I am the dreamer. I am the one who gives you dreams. I am the one who gives you visions. I'm the one that I'm going I'm to show you and download for you the things, those things that are dormant, those things that you thought were dead, they're only sleeping. Wake up, wake up, says the Lord, to those dreams in Jesus' name. And so I just call you forth, First Assembly Church, to be people who are Ananias, people who are partnering, people who say, God, I want to be that one that you would speak to. I'm available to you. I want to just be myself. I want to be open for business. I want to be full of your spirit. I want to be part of what you are doing. What are you doing, God, that you are blessing? Here I am. I'm part of that. I don't want to just do my thing and ask you to bless me. I want to be part of what you are doing. I want to find out what you are blessing. I'm going to lean into what you are blessing. I'm going to find out where you are working. I'm going to find out what you are doing. I'm going to find myself with souls. I'm going to find myself with the broken. I'm going to find myself with the orphan. I'm going to find myself with the widow. I'm going to find myself with family. I'm going to find myself in community. I'm going to find myself in the church. I'm going to find myself with the people of God. I'm going to find myself seeking the presence of God. I'm going to find myself in prayer. I'm going to find myself in that quiet place. I'm going to find my, I don't want to, I don't want to just do my thing. I want to do your thing. I want to be Ananias. I want to be in your presence. And I want you to reveal God to me. Everything you desire, because I want to be a part of it. If that's your desire, just reach out to him this morning. If that's your desire to say, God, just restore dreams, restore vision, restore vision in my life, oh God. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord.